You're listening to the Pursue God Family Podcast, the official channel for marriage and parenting topics at PursueGod.org. Join Tracy and Brian Dwyer every week as they talk about living biblically in an increasingly secular world. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org slash family. Okay, today's topic is for parents. So any parent out there, whether you have young kids at home or teenagers at home, or you're in, you're now an in-law, and you probably already listened to our in-law episode, we're going to talk today about boundaries in parenting, because it turns out that a parent's job is to help a kid, essentially one way to think about a parent's job, Tracy, is to help your kids to establish healthy boundaries in their own lives so that when they grow up, they're healthy, independent adults. Now, another way to say that is what we call the fundamental law of parenting, which is that parenting is all about transferring ownership to your kids, ownership of their life to them. So when they're little, when they're infants, when they're when they're just born, obviously you own so much of their life, you have to do just about everything for them. But as they grow, you're slowly transferring ownership of their life over to them. And Tracy, so many parents struggle to do this at different phases in the parenting process, right? As as infants or as toddlers or as elementary age kids, junior high, high school, so many parents struggle with knowing how do I how do I help my kids to understand boundaries so that they can take ownership of their own lives? Yeah. And that's, you know, I don't think there's a parent out there that wants their kid to be dependent on them forever. They, the goal is to raise your kid, that they leave your home, that they go on to live their own successful life. But as much as we would love to say, you just take this magic pill and it all just works out perfectly. The reality is if you want to do parenting well, it's, it's really hard work. It takes intentionality and follow through and commitment to really help your kids learn in your environment in the home, how to interface with the world as they grow. And boundaries are the mechanism that teach your kids how to operate in the world. So that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about how do I set boundaries for my kids so that I'm helping them to operate independently someday in the world. They're not independent yet, but I want to help them on the journey toward that. And a lot of parents don't have boundaries in their own lives, or maybe their parents didn't model boundaries for them. And so it's hard for them to establish boundaries for their kids. So buckle up, sit down with a cup of coffee with your wife, with your husband, and let's talk about boundaries. Now, this is from Cloud and Townsend's book called Boundaries. There's a section in there on boundaries for kids, but if you want the full book on it, Henry Cloud wrote a book called Boundaries with Kids, and you can check that that one out as well. We'll put links to those books down below. But Tracy, let's just give a little bit of an overview for some of this. The first boundary that every kid needs has to do with safety. It's about teaching your kid um, how to take responsibility for their own choices, right? And so then this is something that over time, you've got to be more protective as they're little, but over time you have to sort of remove those fences and hopefully they can set the fences up themselves. Yeah. So the boundaries that you draw in these early years, like just picture your toddlers who just start cruising around the house, right? They're exploring their environment. If you don't teach them the boundary of, Hey, the stairs, you don't go down on your feet. You got to get on your bum. You got to turn around on your tum tum, right? We all learn that because if, if we just leave them to their own devices, they don't understand the danger of those stairs. They just go tumbling down and could really get hurt. 
So you're teaching them early on just this value of the boundaries of safety, their personal safety. And then beyond that, as they get older, it's the safety of the choices that you make have a direct cause and effect, right? So if you make good choices, good things are coming. And if you make bad choices, bad things are coming. So again, at the toddler phase, it's don't touch the hot stove. Don't just cruise down the stairs, right? We're teaching them the environment they're in and the safety and understanding what's okay and what's not okay. In elementary school, I mean, my my word, Brian, I remember you and I, we watched all these safety videos. We had the safe side adult terminology, you know, teaching your kids like not every adult is safe. So you don't get in the car with somebody because they say, hey, your mom said to pick you up from school today. No, we teach them a safety of no, we have specific people that would come to school ever to pick you up. You don't ever get in a car with someone that you don't know. You don't ever eat candy from a guy that pulls up in front of the house when you're playing outside. And then of course, our teenagers, we're teaching them a whole new venue of safety and their choices and boundaries online and social media and things that they put out there and people that might try to talk to them through games. So there's just a lot of things that go within the boundary of teaching your kids about safety. You know, when we were growing up, when we were kids, our parents just needed to hear those examples about touching a hot stove or not getting in a Mm -hmm. car with strangers. But probably one of the topics we should cover for a little bit here is what about social media? What about phones? Like, is there a magic number? Is there an age where I can give my kid a phone? Um, and, And then how do, what are some of the things that I should do as a parent to make sure to set up those boundaries so hopefully the kid as the kid grows up, the kid isn't addicted to pornography or whatever else, right? And I think that that's a good point. This is a conversation we have a lot with parents because I think choosing the age at which your kid should have their own phone, I think is is a personal choice. Um, Some kids, there might be reasons why your kid needs a phone um, if you work or whatever. Um, So I do think that there's some individualistic decisions that are made with that. But to your point, Brian, the the bigger issue is whatever age you choose to give your kid a phone, don't just assume like they hit the age we thought they should be. And then we just kind of let loose and good luck with that. I mean, there's so much that goes into teaching your kids the good things about a device like the, a phone and the, and the bad things, the things they need to be watching out for. So parents, when it comes to the phone with your kids, uh, there should be very clear boundaries for their safety in terms of how often they're on it, that you have the ability to control the apps that they download, that you can see the things that they're doing online. Uh, One of the values that we put in our home for safety for our kids, a boundary we had is that phones were charged upstairs and not in their bedrooms. I mean, there's a lot of different boundaries that parents need to put in place to keep their kids safe, to teach them. Because again, the goal here is that as you're transferring ownership, as they get older, by the time they're 18, the goal isn't to be like, oh, we taught you nothing about the dangers or how to be wise and disciplined in your choices. So now you're 18 going off to college, like here, it's just, you know, whatever, good luck to you. We taught you, we didn't teach you anything, but now go figure it all out yourself. Like, no, we should be training our kids from the youngest ages to learn the boundary of safety and all these different capacities and give them more um, freedoms as they earn it, as they earn your trust, as they're learning how to make better choices within those safe boundaries. 
so that when it's time for them to leave the home, they're, they're equipped with the understanding and the principles that go into play for phones and anything else. Okay, so that sounds really good on paper. But I mean, let's play this out. Let's say you, you give your 12-year-old a phone and then you're looking at the phone. Is this partly what you're saying, right, Tracy? Is you you look at the phone, you know your kid's password, and the kid is saying, whoa, that's an invasion of my privacy. My, none of my other friends tell their parents the password. None of my other friends get to look at my phone. And w- what is it? what should a parent say to a 12-year-old who's coming back with a statement like that? Well, again, this is all just part of this whole series of boundaries that you know, your responsibility of drawing a boundary and being okay if your kid doesn't like it. (laughs) Because again, in this regard, you have a responsibility to care and protect your kids. They don't understand what all those dangers are. You have to teach them. It's kind of like the example we gave about the fence. Like our kids don't even realize some of the dangers when they're two beyond the fence and a road and cars that could kill them if they wandered out into the street. So it's the same thing with phones and the like. We just have to be confident as parents to say, my responsibility is to protect you. And part of that protection are these boundaries in place for your safety. And you're going to learn and grow. And as you earn our trust that you make good choices in that, more freedoms will come to you. But I'm sorry. I mean, one option you could give is if your kids don't like that, you have passwords, you don't have to give them a smartphone. You can give them a flip phone. Um, There's other options that you could say. But in our home, what we said is we're paying for the phone. And these are some of the boundaries that we have in place. And here's a trick we used. And I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot today. I call it the fast forward trick. We we said to them in a situation like this, I would say to my 12-year-old daughter, well, fast forward to you're, you're the parent and you have the 12-year-old. When you're there, you can make your own decision. But right now, I'm the parent and you're the 12-year-old and I have a responsibility to protect you. That's my responsibility. I'm not going to shirk my responsibility. And I sure hope when you're the parent, you'll take your responsibility seriously as well. And so I, I know that doesn't always work, but for our kids, I think that it was almost like it helped them to have a little bit of a vision for their lives and and put themselves in our shoes. And we're not trying to be unreasonable here, you know, and even to say stuff like, I don't even know what the world's going to be like when you have a 12 year old. So good luck with that. Mm -hmm. But the world is different than when we were 12 and we're just doing the best that we can, but I'm going to protect you. I'm going to do everything that I can to protect you. And so forgive me if I'm overstepping my bounds, but give me your phone because I'm going to keep checking on it. Right. And you know, it's funny because when our kids were little, Kenzie was, I don't know, maybe four. Is that right? Three or four or five, something like that. I think she was younger than that, but she really? was eating. Yeah. Because I think this is a seminal memory for her. She was eating candy. You were out with some friends and I was in charge, which is always dangerous. And, <laughs> and I, and she's like, can I have more candy? I'm like, well, no, you already had some candy, but I, I want more. Okay. But if you eat more, you're going to have a, an upset tummy. She's like, I want more. Okay. Go ahead. So there's my there's my teaching her to take ownership of her own life because here's what happened. Sure enough, an hour later, she was hanging over the toilet, throwing up because she ate too much candy and she still hasn't forgotten that incident. And so I would go back to that incident when she was in her teenage years and say, do what you want, but remember what happened <laughs> with the candy, right? So what you're saying is I actually do know a little more than you 
in this scenario, and I'm doing this for, for your protection, I'm putting a, but this, this is a trick I think parents can use. Look, I'm putting the boundary on you now because right now that's my job. When you're older, you can ruin your life and I can do nothing about it. But while you're in my home, while you're young, it's my job to put a boundary. And for whatever reason, Tracy, that kind of logic worked for our kids. Both of our kids, I think, internalized that and didn't end up pushing back so much on us because it sounded somewhat reasonable what we were saying. And I know a lot of, a lot of parents need to hear that because I think parents, you, you can push too hard sometimes. And, and if you push too hard, and if you're so black and white with your kids and you never give them, if you're, the only reason you ever give them is because I said so, at some point that's not going to work for your kids anymore. And you're going you're, you're gonna to lose their heart. You're going to lose their respect. You're going you're gonna to lose their attention. And they're going to they're gonna rebel against you. And a lot of kids, that's what they end up doing. So it really is a dance, isn't it, Tracy, to walk here when you're trying to set boundaries in terms of safety for your kids. Yeah, and I think that's a good point to not, the goal here is to train as you go. So just being like a hard line and I said no, and that's it. And there's no conversation. There's no teaching. There's no development. Then you're not really transferring ownership to them because again, then that, what's that, that creates is okay. So while they're under your thumb, they'll follow the rules and they're safe according to your standards. But then when they leave the home, they haven't been equipped with anything. And that's when kids a lot of times get in a lot of trouble because they just, they've had no, they haven't developed those muscles. They don't, they don't know what to do with them. They're atrophied, they're confused, they're lost, and they find themselves in more danger. So parents, I do think this is the balance of being confident to say, these are the boundaries that we feel like we need to draw for your safety. I'm sorry if you don't like that, but we're going to teach you and train you as you go. And because we know that there's a day coming where you're not going to be under our care anymore. And like you said, Brian, then kids realize that adulting's hard. And when you're in charge of your choices and then the results of those choices, that's, that's a big deal. So we might as well train them, help them develop and build up that muscle so that when they do leave the home, they have these principles at work that they're used to, that they understand have worked for them in their lives. Yeah, they've bought into your values. I mean, you're not just transferring ownership of their choices. Hopefully, parents, you're transferring ownership of your values, that you're showing them what your values are. You're teaching them your values as they as they grow. And parents, I hope you have values, right? So some of this might be, you, you better live up to these values yourself because your kids will see right through it. If, if you're trying to teach them a value or enforce a value in their life, and yet you have no regard for that value. Well, th well, that's hypocritical. So the values that we taught our kids, we modeled for our kids as well. And so we were essentially, we were inviting them to live the kind of life that we were living. So for example, and Tracy, this was, I'm sure this is one that parents of teens are waiting for us to address. If your teenager is hanging out, let's say you've got a daughter who wants to date this guy and you are like, no, that is not okay. We're not good with that that guy's trouble. You can see it, but she can't see it. That's, again, that's one of those examples that's hard for parents to know. That's where a lot of clash comes in in the teenage years, because mom or dad, you're saying, no, you're not going to date this guy. And, and now the kid, now you got a Romeo, Romeo and Juliet situation on your hands. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I think that's teaching our kids responsibility and safety in terms of when you're on a date with someone or how you should interface with the opposite sex or what, 
what, what are our standards for dating? And here's what they're going to be when you're at this age. And then maybe when you're this age, that that can change and the line can move a little bit. But again, training and teaching as you go, that you're not just saying no, absolutely not. But just to say, you know what, this is the boundary mom and I have decided for this time. We don't, we don't go out on dates one-on-one with someone until you're whatever age, 16, 17 years old. And then it'll be kind of a case by case basis. Um, but again, child. And in the meantime, you making good choices and earning our trust in other areas of life are going to give us more confidence that you're ready for some of that ownership to then be transferred to you about dating or the like. But if you're irresponsible in all these other areas and you're not following through and you're not, you're not obeying or following the other boundaries, then, then we're not going to be moving. We're not going to be releasing the rope more for you because we don't trust that you're ready. You understand the safety boundaries that we've tried to put in place for you and that your choices lead to consequences, um, we'll release the rope when we feel like you're ready for that. Tracy, what would you say to the parent who says, oh man, I've tried everything and my kid just is so rebellious. My kid is not falling in line and I feel like it's just constant discipline. I feel like I'm, I'm constantly grounding my kid and constantly taking the phone away and I mean, is there hope? Is there hope for a parent like that? What would you say to that parent? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I know parenting can be so hard and each kid, their temperament. You know, if you find yourself like you're just kind of stuck in that rut, then try something different. And maybe that would be, let's go to family counseling. Maybe there's some things that we're just kind of missing that we're not communicating clearly to one another. We're just not trusting one another's hearts. Let's Let's see if we can't get an outside perspective to help us kind of get back on the right track. And, you know, with our kids, we tried to do as much rewarding for good behavior and encouraging them as we did having the times that we had to say no to different things because of different boundaries you're putting in place. So, I mean, parents, I think it's it's on us to figure out, uh, you know, this isn't working or we're just kind of stuck let's try something different. And it's really incumbent upon us to be the ones to figure that out. And and it might just be that there's some other things going on with your kid. Maybe there's some things going on at school or bullying or, or just whatever. There's a lot of internal angst, especially as our kids get in the teenage years, maybe an outside person, a professional could kind of help unlock some of that. Yeah, it's really, it's hard to make a blanket statement when we're not talking to a couple and really understanding what their situation is, how they parent, what their style is, what how their kids are. Some kids are just harder than other kids. Mm-hmm. But I will say that if you're too far on the permissive side of the spectrum, that, well, that's a problem. If you've just if you've never set boundaries before and your teenager is off the rails, well, you, sorry that we didn't release this episode sooner because really, parents with young kids that that boundaries tend to build. If you can set boundaries and, and get your kid to buy into the boundary and, and set boundaries in a loving way, then hopefully by the, by the time your kid is in those more difficult teenage years, they, they respect you, they get it, they get where you're coming from. They know that you're not just helicopter parents. They know that you're not trying to make their lives horrible, that you really are for them. But parents that are so heavy handed, I would just say this, parents, if you are so heavy handed, and you it's just so black and white all the time. I think one of the things you might want to try is honestly, like you're going to lose your kid if you're not careful, is is just apologize for that. And sit down and have a heart to heart with your kid and say, Look, I, 
this is hard for me. And I'm sorry if I've been heavy handed and I w- we're going into our teenage years here. I want, I want to, I want us both to survive. It's almost like you're trying to get them on, on your team instead of it being so adversarial, you're trying to get them on your team and you're saying, how can I parent you in a way that you can receive a little bit better? You know, let them, let them give you some feedback. And maybe that question will shock them that you're even asking. And maybe if you start treating them more like an adult, because again, so many times a heavy-handed parent is doesn't understand the 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 fundamental law of parenting. They don't recognize that they have to transfer ownership. They're trying to control and own their kid's life. They're never they're never letting the kid own it, and so the kid is they just end up resenting their parents and and disobeying even when they don't want to because they're so mad and they're so angry and they're going to prove you wrong. And so maybe getting a, getting more on the same side with them, that's what we try to do with our kids, Trace, is, is we're like, hey, look, we're not perfect, but this is our responsibility. This is, this is the decision that we've made in this particular area. We're asking you to respect it for now. If you really don't want to respect it in a few more years when you're out on your own, that's your call. And I think even just that kind of language maybe will make your kid feel like this isn't a dungeon with no escape. <laughs> like that... that you know what, this is, this, this scenario that we're in, this arrangement, this living arrangement that we're in isn't forever. And so maybe they'll cut you a little bit of slack and maybe it'll make it a little bit more bearable. And maybe, maybe you'll start teaching them how to take ownership for their choices. Yeah. And, but I will say it is much easier to start when they're young and earn their trust and set the tone and just kind of set up those boundaries early on. So it just becomes just part of their childhood as they understand there's boundaries, there's things mom and dad are going to say no to, and it's for my safety and it's for my good. And I see that as I get older, I understand that, or I heard so-and-so at school that got into a situation. It was really scary. Start as early as you can. Okay. So that's the first boundary that your kid needs. And it has to do with safety. The second boundary has to do with respect. And this is, this is about teaching your kid over the course of those years from infant to teenager that you need to, well, number one, obey authority figures. I think that's one thing, (laughs) but it's more, you know, the boundary of respect is more than about authority figures, although that's important. It's also about respecting people in general, not just authority figures, respecting people's feelings. So essentially it's about teaching your kids to have some EQ. Is -hmm. that a good way to say this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, when you think about to those toddler years, like when you use, when I would use the tone of my voice and say, no, right. My kids learned like, okay, that tone, that, that means I need to stop what I'm doing and listen to mom. And if they didn't, there was a consequence for that. So there was a training of respecting first and foremost, our authority as their parents in the home. So then it was more natural for them as they went to preschool. And now there's this teacher that's standing up front and saying there's a time for talking, there's a time for being quiet, that they're used to being like, okay, this is a person in authority, I need to listen to them and obey what they're saying. And then as you think about that, then they're hanging out with friends and playing and having little play dates. And it's like, you don't, you don't get to just say it's my way or the highway and take the toy when you want it, right? Other people have feelings. So we're trying to, t- we're teaching our kids this boundary of respect that other people have feelings and they need to matter. And that's kind of that first development of, yeah, emotional intelligence that you're, you know who you are, but you also recognize that other people around you have thoughts and feelings and we need to be honoring to them. 
So the safety boundary was about teaching your kid over time how to set boundaries for themselves. But the respect boundary is teaching your kids how to respect someone else's boundaries. So whether that's parents, first first of all, right? So if Tracy, am I gathering that that if you as a parent, if you as a parent allow your kid to walk all over you, in other words, you say no and they disobey, you set up your boundary and say no to them, and then they just plow right through it anyway, then essentially you're teaching them to be to be a controller, right? You're you're teaching them to plow through people's boundaries. And you can see that not just in the toddler years, but then you might see that in elementary school and you'll see that those those are the kids that might end up becoming bullies or whatever in junior high and high school. Yeah. I mean, if we're, if we, I mean, I don't know a kid that naturally learns how to share. I mean, that is a learned behavior. So as parents, we have a responsibility to teach our kids respect because they're going to be put in these other environments as they get older. And they're going to very quickly realize if you don't respect someone else's boundary, then you might be left out at recess. No one's inviting you to come sit at their lunch table. No one's inviting you to the party on the weekend. So we have that again, that's just part of parenting. That's a disservice to our kids. If we don't teach them the law of respect and help them understand that we have to be honoring to other people when it's, when they say no or yes, or this is what you need to do. And sometimes this is about helping the siblings, right? Like Mm -hmm. AJ, AJ is our younger child. And, you know, he would always kind of poke and prod and bug. And he, he just wanted his big sister's attention all the time. And she would say, no, no, no. And she'd slam the door and she'd, you know, sometimes she'd yell at him and whatever. And we had to intervene many times and teach him because that's just how he's wired. It's just his, he, he wasn't trying to be evil. It's just his personality. It's his temperament. But we had to work hard with AJ to teach him this boundary to say, no means no. When she says no, you need to respect that. Because if we didn't as parents, that's where, and maybe Tracy, you can speak to this. That's where if, if you as a parent don't step in, you don't have to step in all the time, but if you don't step in a lot of times, then that's where the older sibling ends up taking justice into his own hands. Well, I was just going to say, I remember so many times with our kids that we would say, use your words. Don't punch. Don't push. Don't grab something out of their hand. Use your words. Why, why is that frustrating? Do why is that upsetting for our daughter? She was more of an internalizer. So AJ would be bugging her and she would just kind of take it, take it. And then she would hit that point of not taking it anymore. And then she would get in trouble because she would take it upon herself to get justice, like you said. So some of it was Kenzie learning how to assert her boundary and put her word, her feelings into words. But then for AJ, it was learning, okay, when she says it's enough, whether you think it's been enough, doesn't matter. You have to respect that boundary. And again, like, I mean, how many times have we seen that over the years when our kids were in sports? If your kids are in sports and the coach is yelling at you and pulling you out and saying, I want you to do this or stop doing that. And you give them attitude or you just start crying or you just storm off. Like that's, that's not good. That's not going to be helpful for them moving forward. Our kids need to learn again, the earlier we can start understanding these different boundaries and the importance of respecting other people's boundaries is going to help them so much in every facet, sports, the arts, classroom, friendships, all of it. Okay. So there's safety that's setting your own boundaries, helping your kids set their own boundaries. There's 
respect, which is helping your kids recognize other people's boundaries as as they interact with people, as they grow in their in their years as a child, from childhood to to preteen to teen to adult. And then the last one that they talk about in the book is goal setting. And Tracy, how do, how does how does goal setting figure into a conversation about boundaries? Well, I think the way to look at this is teaching your kids the stick to commitment to whatever you sign up to do. That we don't let our kids be quitters. We don't let our kids say the coach is unfair or that test wasn't fair. And so we just let our kids off the hook to be like, okay, yeah, you can quit the team. Or yeah, that coach is a jerk. Or yep, that teacher's is a terrible teacher and and it's not your fault, little buddy. <laughs> you know, like it's it's teaching our kids that we have to do our part to set goals and to work hard to meet the goals and not to give up on things when the circumstances seem unfair or or we wonder if we're good enough to finish. In the book, they talk about the the parenting tool that allows us to reinforce boundaries with teens, whether it's in safety or in regard to respect or in regard to goal setting. And the parenting tool is a word that I think maybe some parents will cringe a little bit when they hear the word, but the word is discipline. Mm -hmm. So discipline, effective discipline, is something that parents need to get good at. And Tracy, a lot of parents cringe because maybe in some cases they were disciplined inappropriately as as a kid, and so they don't want to discipline their kids at all. But yet, when we use the word discipline, we're not we're not obviously we're not talking about abuse. We're talking about healthy, effective discipline. Mm-hmm. And so, talk us through what what would that look like today? Well, yeah. Again, in order to train and to teach your kids, they have to butt up against when the boundaries infringed upon. They need to know that, and they need to feel the consequence of that so that it trains them because it's kind of like the kid touching the hot stove. Like if you go through with that, that's going to burn your hand and that hurts and it might hurt for weeks and it might blister. So there has to be some level of consequence that gets their attention that makes them say, you know what? I'm not going to push that boundary anymore. I'm going to trust that that's there for my good and I'm going to stick within the bounds. So obviously discipline is going to look different for every different age. So, so the first principle for parents to keep in mind is that discipline needs to speak the language of the kid at whatever age they are. So for example, like when our kids, let's say they talk back to us and we're being disrespectful in their tone. And so we said, nope, that's not being respectful of mom and dad. So your consequence is you don't get dessert. Well, for our kids from certain age range of, you know, four to eight, that was like devastation. Like dessert was like the thing they look forward to after dinner. So to take that away was a big deal. So the next time they were confronted with that boundary of respect of following a rule or their tone of voice and the way they talked to us, they, they got better at that because they didn't like that consequence. Now, obviously in the teenage years, then that might be taking away a phone It might be grounding them from going somewhere over the weekend, but whatever it is, the consequence for when the boundary is violated needs to speak enough to them to get their attention to say, I don't want to do that again because I don't like that consequence. I don't like that discipline. Um, The next thing then is, of course, like I just said, it's you adjust 
with the age of your kid. Like you don't do the same punish, punishment for a 17 year old as you would do a two year old, right? A two year old might just need to be, you're going to go sit in your room by yourself and you don't get to watch TV for the next 30 minutes. Like for, for a two year old, that's, that would be tough. So you need to find a consequence that speaks their language. It needs to be age appropriate. Um, and then it also needs to be whatever your discipline needs to be kind of match the offense. So for example, um, if our teenager doesn't make their bed and that's kind of a rule in the home and it's a respect thing for mom and dad and what they want the house to look like, okay, that might be your phone's taken away for the rest of the night. But if a teenager breaks curfew and, and is 40 minutes late, that might be a bigger consequence of, yeah, you're grounded the whole weekend. So, so as parents, again, just like all of this, there's such a level of just working at it all the time. Like there's no easy answer or fix, and it has to be approached for each kid at each stage of life for each offense. But the point of it is that you're teaching your kids the value of the boundary and that when they breach it and don't respect it or step outside of the safety then there's a consequence for that. And as they learn to say, you know what? I don't like that consequence. I don't like that discipline. Then you have more compliant kids that are going to trust like, okay, I'm going to stick to these boundaries and I can roam free within this and have a good time and I'm not in trouble and everything's good. And I don't want to, I don't want to push the boundaries of that anymore because I know that that brings things that I don't enjoy. So what do you say to the parents? We got mom and dad at home and dad's the bad cop, mom's the but the good cop. You know that. In fact, maybe dad says, "I don't want a discipline like that," and mom says, "Well, we need a discipline like that." How, you know, what do you do with parents who kind of maybe have a split decision there when it comes to disciplining kids? Well, I would say, mom and dad, you need to have a conversation and get on the same page before you have any of these conversations with your kids, because the worst thing you can do is do the bad cop, good cop stuff and, and not be on the same page. And then the kids learn how to manipulate the one who's softer or the one that wants to be more compliant. That's, that's not good. So I would say, mom and dad, you need to sit down and say, okay, what are the values that we're trying to teach? What are our boundaries of safety for our kids at the ages they are? What are the things we're trying to teach them in terms of respect? And then how are we going to enforce those when they're infringed upon? And then be consistent every time with your kids. Because if you're not consistent, then you're just kind of wasting your energy. Your kids need to know every time that you violate that boundary, there is a consequence. No ifs, ands, or buts. Okay, what about a broken home where mom, you know, the kid lives with mom half the time and with dad mm -hmm. half the time? Oh, so hard. I mean, for parents that can co-parent, that's the best option. But those might be things that you just have to adjust. Like in your home, you have your boundaries in place and you have to just be okay with mom or dad living in another home, may not follow through on those or may not care about it. And as your kids get older, you can be honest about that. And you can say, I'm so sorry. I know this is confusing that in my house, it goes this way. And then at mom or dad's house, it goes another way. But when you're in my home, I, that's all I can control. And I'm going to be true to these boundaries for your safety and for your good. And I'm, I wish or hope mom and dad would fall in line with that too, but they might not. And maybe really it's an opportunity to teach your kid to own the boundaries anyway. Yeah. Because that's a reality of life is when they're out of the home, 
they're, they can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's an opportunity, it might be sooner than you wanted, but maybe it's an opportunity to teach them the fundamental law, which is you have got to start owning your own decisions and choices. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to choose the right thing, even though there's no consequence if you don't, when you're over there with dad. And so it could be a time to, you know, grow your kids up a little, a little sooner than you expected. And I would say to the parents, just recognize that your parenting, like your kids don't deserve to be thrown into this back and forth and confusion and different rules at different places. Like you should do your part to be as consistent and on the same page as you can, rather than, you know, trying to stick it to the other parent because you're bitter and angry and hurt by things that happen. Your kids, your kids are the ones that suffer the consequence of that. So Tracy, let's just finish by talking about what kind of worst case scenario, best case scenario. So what's the worst case scenario that pa- the parents listen to this and they say, I don't think I, I don't, I don't think it's my job to teach my kids boundaries. They do whatever they want. I don't care. They're going to be out of the house soon enough. Anyway, what, what is, what could happen with those kids who don't learn boundaries growing up? Well, I just think those are kids that are just kind of be lost and might have to suffer a lot of hard consequences that they didn't have to, had they just been taught. I just, I feel like it just really robs them of a safe place to, to learn and grow in an environment with people that love them unconditionally, rather than just kind of being thrust into the world with people that aren't going to love them or care about them at the same level as mom and dad should. And they're just literally like kind of lost at sea, just kind of being pummeled by the waves because they don't have any tools. And what's the best case scenario? You know, what's the, maybe another way to ask that is what is the vision? Get, paint a picture here as we close, paint a picture for parents who are like in the, just up to their elbows in parenting and really wondering, is this, is this going to ever end? And is this going to pay off for me? Like paint a picture of vision for what a healthy young adult looks like. Yeah. A healthy young adult is just someone that leaves your home and has a successful life and makes good choices and is responsible and has healthy relationships and isn't dependent on you or dependent on a substance or something else to kind of get through the day that they're happy and well-adjusted and that there's peace in your relationship that you can transition from being more the parent to child to more the friendship and the mentor and can enjoy time together as they and, and enjoy watching them grow and mature and one day get married and have kids of their own. So to those parents that are kind of in the throes of it, I, I promise it is worth the efforts. And even on the days that you just feel like, am I making any difference in the world? You are. Don't give up on setting boundaries and training up your kids because healthy, independent, well-adjusted adults is a delightful friendship that, that develops over time. Hey listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts, but more than that, we want to make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit PursueGod.org forward slash donate.